We are a community that loves like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you. Not just today, but every time you tune in. The last few weeks, we've been focused on the Old Testament and some tools for our spiritual toolbox. Remember last week, we learned about David's prayer. And I talked about the importance of being sincere in our prayers, about the value of stillness, to be still, and contemplation, and about giving time and glory to God. Well, today we are continuing our sermon series called The Best Stories Ever. And this sermon is called Slaying Our Giants. We are going to be studying the story of David and Goliath. And when I think about David and Goliath, it makes me wonder, what are the giants, metaphorically, in my life? What are the giants in your lives? How does God help us slay the giants in our lives, and how do we keep these giants from coming back? Well, those are the questions that we're going to be answering today. Well, looking at our new year and praying through what can be different, and how can we make change, and how can we grow, the first thing that I think about when thinking about change and growth is getting obstacles of change and growth out of the way in my life. And so the first way that we need to remove obstacles and get, getting rid of the giants is identifying the giants in our life. Well, let me introduce ourselves to some of these potential giants. And not all of these are you and not all of these are me, but they are in and around us and we need to consider these for our lives. Well, the last year I've noticed in the pandemic that there's been a large amount of alcohol consumption. And the question, alcoholism, do those tendencies get stirred up in your life? Do you need to consider some of these, some of these things like alcoholism or compulsive spending in our lives or just coming off of the Christmas season? Maybe negative, critical, or angry attitudes or behaviors. Are we too focused on material? Am I too focused on my appearance? Am I too controlling in my behavior? Well, I'm going to want to clear something up with some of those things we talked about. It's normal to think that those are giants in our life, but in fact, these are not giants. These are symptoms of giants in our life. The core of these issues is too much focus on self or too much focus on the pain inside of ourself. When we're totally focused on self, that leads to sin. And these giants oftentimes are pride or insecurity or the, la the inability to overcome guilt in our life. Well, let's talk about sin just for a second. Sin is the I at the center of everything. That's where you put yourself at the center of life. So maybe your giant is just self-focus or, or pride or ego. Well, that sin causes guilt, which leads to fear, which leads to pain, which manifests itself in one or more or maybe all of the symptoms that I just read off. So maybe we drink to make the pain go away or we work 24 seven a day, a day to distract us from the pain. So the various isms are not the core issue. So if all the drugs were locked up, but the core issue is not dealt with, we will replace the drug with another ism, right? So we need to identify the actual giant and deal with that. By slaying that giant, we can get rid of all of the isms in our life. So what do these giants do? Well, think about what Jesus told us as the most important thing to consider 
in our lives. In Mark 12, it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So right now, and for the rest of this teaching, we need to think about what are the giants in our lives that stand between us and God, that stand between us and, and other people, the healthy relationships in our life. What stops us from loving God and loving people as ourselves? Well, the first step in solving a problem is recognizing it. And on a daily basis, what stops us from being close to God and what blocks us from focusing on God when we pray or have a relationship, we, we need to focus and identify what the problem is. So the ism is usually easy to recognize. It's the giant that is harder to identify, either because we don't know or we don't want to know. So my ism damages certain things in my life. The outward expression or the outward painful expression of the giant in my life, relationships are damaged because I cannot or do not always want to give the relationships in my life, the time and attention that they deserve. Maybe it's my health. My health is damaged because it has and continues to be a struggle and the outward expression of the giant and the ism, the overeating, the lack of sleep, the insomnia, whatever it is, my health is damaged. My work, because when I'm stressed out and I'm dealing with my anxiety, I'm expressing that all over everything and everyone, I'm not as productive. And I end up spinning my wheels and cannot work with my coworkers as well and may not treat them as well as I should. So that ism many times is easy to identify. Maybe it's just the overworking or the overstressing about the simple in life. But the giant is much harder to identify. Why am I so stressed out? Why do I create an overload? What is my core issue? That is what we need to identify. That's what the giant that we need to ask God to help us destroy, that's the giant in our life. I need to ask God and allow God to strengthen me to overcome some of these things that, that riddle my, my soul and damage my heart. So as I said earlier, in order to illustrate that, today we're going to be learning about the story of David and Goliath. Now, this is a story that some of us have heard many, many times. In fact, it's become a cliche that you'll see in, in movies and such. Whenever the underdog defeats the favorite, it's like a David and Goliath story, right? So here's the story in a real simple summary. The Philistines and the Israelite armies were camped across from each other, and Goliath was a part of the Philistine army, and he's the Philistine champion, right? He was the nine-foot-tall He's the big, scary, tough guy, right? And Goliath challenges the Israelites, God's chosen people. In fact, he mocked the Israelite people loudly and openly downplaying who they, who they were. So in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 8, it says, He stopped and shouted to the Israelite troops, Why have you come and taken up battle formations? I'm the Philistine champion, and you are Saul's servant. Isn't that right? Select one of your men and let him come down against me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we will become your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our slaves and you will serve us. I insult the Israelite troops today. The Philistine continued, give me an opponent and we'll fight. And when Saul and the Israel, Israel heard this, 
what the Philistines said, they were distressed and they were terrified. So the Israelites were scared and none of them would step up to the challenge to challenge him in any way. Even their King Saul, who was like the big, strong, tough guy himself, was not willing to step up and fight for Goliath. So fast forward to the battlefield and Goliath's challenge. Several of David's brothers were in the army that was facing Goliath, and David was sent to bring them some provisions. And while David was there, he hears Goliath's challenge, which had been repeated over and over and over again every day for 40 days straight. So David's response is interesting. I read in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 26, David asked the soldier standing by him, what will be done for the person who kills that Philistine over there and removes this insult from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he can get away with insulting the army of the living God? So David is angry that Goliath is mocking God's people and he is shocked that no one, not even King Saul, who had been anointed by God in the first place, would do anything about it. So David said that he would fight. And Goliath, he would defend the honor of God and his people right up to the end. And 1 Samuel 17 and verse 41 41 gives us the story all the way to verse 49. The Philistine got closer and closer to David. And his shield bearer was in front of him. When the Philistine looked David over, he sneered at David because he was just a boy, reddish brown and good looking kid, right? The Philistine asked David, am I some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods. So come here, he said to David, and I'll feed your flesh to the wild birds and the wild animals. But David told the Philistine, you are coming against me with sword, spear, and scimitar. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel's army, the one you've insulted. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will feed your dead body and the dead bodies of the entire Philistine camp to the wild birds and the wild animals. Then the whole world will know that there is a God on Israel's side. And all those gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't say by means of sword and spear. The Lord owns this war and he will hand all of you over to us. The Philistine got up, moved closer to to attack David and David ran quickly to the front of the line to face him. David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone. You know the story, right? He slung it and it hit the Philistine in his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead. He fell face down to the ground. And, and basically, basically he died. So it's in situations like this that we see what people are really made of and how they step up to challenges and giants in their life. In life and death crisis situations, we often are surprised of who steps up and who doesn't. God's not surprised, but we're surprised. As I read in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for this appearance, his appearance or stature because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eye, but the Lord sees into the heart. So for David in this story, the giant was very obvious. He was the big nine foot tall guy in front of him who told him he was going to kill him. But often our giants are not so obvious. And we always need to see what they are so we can work with God to slay them. So identifying our giants is number one. To slay the giants in our lives, we need to first identify 
what the giant is. We need to do the hard work to identify. But secondly, we need to trust God to help us to slay those giants in our life. We're not going to be able to do it on our own. And the best way for us to trust God is to remember that God already saved us once, and he will save us again and again and again. I've hung off plenty of cliffs in my life, literally and metaphorically, and there's been a lot of trust built between me and God and me and the brothers and sisters that I've had in my life as I've experienced those white-knuckle times in my life. Sometimes the only person you have to trust is the one walking alongside of you. And we many times have no choice but to trust God if we really want to slay our giants that are, that are, that are in us. So we cannot slay them alone. If we could, then we would have already done so, and there wouldn't be no giants and no issues for us, right? In fact, there wouldn't be a need for for church even. We wouldn't need a community of people around us. So we're not perfect like God is. God does not expect us to be perfect. He expects us to love and to trust with all our mind, our heart, our soul, and our spirit, and he will lead us to the right direction, strengthen us to overcome. Well, David was not perfect either, but he loved God and with, and with all his heart and he trusted God to help him to slay his, his giant. So the reason that I believe that God used imperfect people like David who committed adultery and murder is basically to show us that God can use me too, even though I'm imperfect. And we can, we can also slay our giants with God's help. In fact, when I read scripture, every hero that, the, that God used throughout the Bible, of course, except for Jesus, was imperfect and flawed. And those flaws were included in the Bible so that, the, so that we can see that sinners just like us also God can work through and with, and we can work for God. They all had their giants too. Noah, he was a drunk. Samson was prideful and arrogant. Moses committed murder and took credit for God's work. Paul hunted and killed Christians. Matthew, corrupt tax collector. Peter denied Jesus. In fact, all the disciples denied Jesus at least once except for John. So again, this was done by God and these people used by God to tell the rest of us that we can be used by God too and that he wants us to work for God and that he, he loves us warts and all, that God loves us imperfect and all. So God also though did not uh, kill Goliath himself. Had he done that, it would send the message that God will do the work for us. By calling David to kill the giant, God is telling us that we need to trust God and work with God to slay the giants in our lives, which allows us to identify the real giant in our life and to discover a way to kill it. So when I taught Natalia to ride a bike, I ran alongside of her and behind her and held the seat as she rode. If I would have ridden the bike for her, it wouldn't have helped her at all. She needed to do it and to trust me to help her. Well, now I no longer need to hold her bike as she rides anymore, right? She's a great rider. But now I'm helping her in other ways of her life to get over the bigger issues in life as she grows up. Well, God knows it's better for us to learn and to grow by helping us as opposed to doing it, which just means that we'll remain stagnant if he just does everything for us. He will not slay that giant core issue inside of me. He will come alongside of me, strengthen me to overcome. So as an aside, I, I do wonder what David was thinking as he charged towards Goliath. I know he trusted God, but I wonder if he was scared. 
I know that he was confident in God and trusted God, but he also was a regular guy like me. And whenever I'm charged by a nine foot tall giant, I'm pretty scared too. So it's also going to take a lot of work and confidence on our part. By trusting God and surrendering to God, we, we need to be humble. And one of the biggest giants in many of our lives is our pride. When we surrender to God and are humble, we're more likely to listen and change the behavior which generally enabled our giants in the past in the first place. But what's really cool is God uses earthly tools. And David took down Goliath with a rock. So God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And God uses a regular guy like David in a regular tool like a rock. He uses ordinary people and ordinary stuff. So we have tools around us to help us to overcome our anxieties and our depressions and the deep stuff that's inside of us that riddles our hearts, that creates the pain we can overcome with the simple rocks and sticks in our life. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's the help that we need. We need to learn some tools, common tools in our life to help us slay the giants in our hearts, in our lives. So we need to identify. We need to trust but we also need to keep the giants from coming back. When I read in 1 Samuel 17, 48, it says this, The Philistine got up and moved closer to attack David, and David ran quickly to the front of the line to face him. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it, and it hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead, and he fell face to the ground. And that's how David triumphed over the Philistine, with just a sling and a stone, striking the Philistine down and killing him. David didn't even have to use a sword. Well, just a theological and just a little small note is in the Hebrew text, it says that David struck Goliath down with a stone and killed him with a sword. Well, various translations like the NSB and NIV say that Goliath was killed with the stone and the sword. Others like the NLT say he was struck down with a stone but killed by the sword. Well, David wanted to make sure that the giant did not get back up. He did not know if he was dead from the stone, and there was no corner on sight. So David did not hesitate and take any chances. He didn't want to be like that horror movie thing that, you know, where the good guys uh, think the bad guy is dead, so they throw down their weapons and start to hug and cry, and the music starts to play, and then suddenly the bad guy gets back up like a bad Saw movie, right? Well, which translation is correct? Well, the truth is it doesn't matter. You can believe the stone killed him, or you can believe that the sword killed him. What matters in the story is that David triumphed over Goliath and made sure that he didn't get up. He wanted to serve God and obey God, and nothing was going to stand in the way, not even a nine-foot-tall Goliath that was mocking God's people. So David wanted to slay the giant and made sure that he was down and down for good so that all the world, quote-unquote, all the world that was, that, that was known would know that there is a God in Israel. That's what he wanted to communicate. So, so the way to make sure that our giants do not come back and up in our life and keep, keep you know, welling up and exploding in our life is to keep God at the center of our lives. And knowing that our giant was slain with God's help and not on our own, so when David was king, he continued to glorify God, like in 2 Samuel seven eighteen that we read 
last week, who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And David worshiped. So David knew that God was the center of his life, that God was, was working through him and strengthening him so David could overcome some of these giants. And the unimaginable, most powerful giant in David's life was slain by a small person that wasn't thought too highly of, killed by ordinary tools by an ordinary person because of an extraordinary God. And that's what makes this story the best story ever. And Jesus tells us that he has helped us to overcome the biggest giants in our life, that through him, sin and evil and death has been put under his feet, has been destroyed in our life, that we are forgiven and that we have eternal life. And he tells us that every time that we take this bread and drink this fruit of the vine, that that's a reminder that Jesus overcame so that therefore the spirit of God inside of me, I can overcome as well. So when we take the bread and dip it in the juice and we say, thanks be to God for such a work, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, that you overcame sin, that you overcame death, that you overcame evil that we can live in the Spirit for eternity. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, I just pray that whatever giant people have in their life, Lord, you would help to do the good work inside of them, to strengthen them, to overcome. And I pray for 2020, 2021, actually. As 2020 was difficult, Lord, I pray for hope and blessing in 2021 as we end and start this next year. Lord, I just pray that we would overcome these giants, that we have a lot of hope this year, and that you would strengthen us, Lord, uh, through this time. Lord, to face whatever we're going to face in the coming months. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.